Welcome to In the Booth, a Frederick News Post podcast exploring the 2016 races to represent Frederick County. I'm Jeremy Bauerwolf, here with my co-host, Danielle Gaines, and we are In the Booth. At Gladhill, our customers expect the highest quality furniture from the very best manufacturers, all at great prices. Stop by our showroom during the Veterans Day sale and see solid wood American handmade bedrooms and enjoy discounts of up to $600 off select Tempur-Pedic bedding. With 0% interest till 2020 and holiday delivery options, we offer the best furniture savings and service to our customers. Early voting in Maryland begins this Thursday, October 27th, and with a heated and hyper-partisan presidential election, officials in Frederick County anticipate a high voter turnout. Stuart Harvey, director of the Frederick County Board of Elections, is our guest this week on In the Booth. Harvey spoke with us about the security of Maryland's election system, voter trends, early voting, and everyone's favorite, those I Voted stickers. Welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, it's very nice to be here, Jeremy. Um, can you just tell us a little bit about your background and how you got your start at the county elections office and how long you've been here? Well, um, I'm going to take you back a few years. Uh, I actually started in elections in 1990 in Montgomery County. And like so many people in elections, I was hired to do a temporary job at the Montgomery County Board of Elections. Well, <clears throat> during the, um, the election of 1990 in the general election, a person who was the assistant to the election director left. And so after the election was over, um, since I was a temporary employee, I was asked to stay on to assist the election director. It turned out we had a pretty symbiotic relationship and she asked me to apply for the job permanently. And like so many people in elections, that's exactly how I started. You would be amazed at how many people in elections, not just in Maryland, but throughout the country, started in some part-time temporary position and suddenly they've got a career. Mm -hmm. And so when did you come to Frederick? Well, what happened was there was an opening for the election director in 2002, and um, the vacancy needed to be filled rather quickly because the director was gone and the deputy director was about to retire. So uh, with a small office, they wanted to move fairly quickly. I was able to apply for and uh, was hired for the position, and I've been here since July of 2002. Okay, so did you have an election right after you started? Uh, I had a very interesting conversation with the board at the time I was hired because the board asked me, I was living of course in Montgomery County, I was living in Germantown at that point, and the board asked me whether I would live here. And it used to be Maryland law required an election director to live in the jurisdiction that they were the director of. That changed. You simply had to be a registered voter in the state of Maryland. So I could have said no, but what I said to the board was, I don't think any election director can adequately handle the electorate if they're not a part of it, if they don't know the community. And I told the board at the time they interviewed me that I had every intention of moving to Frederick. However, I thought the first priority were the elections. And considering mm -hmm. that I was coming on board in July and we had a primary scheduled for September and a general election in November, mm -hmm. I said to them, I will look, but let's get through the elections. Let me get you through the elections. Um, after the November election, I was able to find a, a house in the city of Frederick rather quickly, and I settled on uh, New Year's Day, 2003. Can you give us an overview of what you're in charge of and what the election board is in charge of for those who are unfamiliar? 
Well, the, the election board, uh, I have a five-member bipartisan board, which oversees the general operation of the office and also is very involved, obviously, in what we call the, the canvas, which means uh, the opening and counting of absentee ballots and provisional ballots post-election. I handle the day-to-day -day operations of the office, which means I'm the office manager, I put together the plan for the elections, I decide um, you know, how many people we're going to have based on how much equipment. We uh, put together uh, precinct organizations and with the precinct basically we look at polling places that are needed and of course we've had rather substantial growth in Frederick since I came here in 2002. At that time we had a little over 100,000 registered voters. My current mm. registration as of today is probably closer to 165,000 wow. registered voters, so we've jumped quite a bit mm -hmm. in the uh, 14 years that I've been here. So we, we basically handle, uh, I like to say I do the nuts and bolts of democracy. I do democracy <laughs> with a small d, that's what I like to say. Mm -hmm. So this year, give us a little bit of an overview of what changes we might expect to the ballot box. Well, the biggest change is the new voting system. Mm -hmm. If you did not vote in the primary election, but you voted in either 2012, 2014, you're probably familiar with the touchscreen voting system. The touchscreen voting system came into Frederick uh, as part of a statewide rollout in 2004. We had it through the 2014 elections. Starting this year, we have a paper-based optical scan system. And the reason that we've gone to the new system is twofold. One, the old system, quite frankly, was wearing out. It no longer is made in this country. The company that made it doesn't exist anymore. And it's like having an old used car. You just couldn't get parts for it. But the other thing is that in 2007, the Maryland General Assembly passed a law that said the state would go to a paper-based system. But because of the economy, the money was never put into the Maryland budget until 2014 to go forward with moving to a new voting system. So we're basically following the law to get a paper-based system with a paper trail so that if there's any question about the results in any race uh, or any question on the ballot, we've got a paper backup. The old system did not give us a paper trail. It was fully electronic. And, and how well did it go in the primary with the paper ballots? It went fairly well, and actually for a primary election, we had a fairly decent turnout in Frederick County. We had about 40% of our electorate show up. And while that doesn't sound like a lot, compared to uh, around the country where you might get a 25% turnout in a primary election, that's actually a fairly decent turnout. Um, most people uh, had no problems with it because, again, it's very much like an SAT. You're basically just filling in a bubble. It's a two-sided piece of paper, and then it just goes right in the scanner. Now, for those who uh, want to use an accessible device, we have something called a ballot marking device. The voter is given a blank piece of paper. They feed it into what looks like uh, very similar to the old touchscreen machine. It actually brings up a touchscreen interface. They select their choices, but then at the end of voting, rather than simply casting a ballot that is done electronically, they print the card and their choices are on the card. The card comes back out and then that also goes into the scanner. It's read the same way as the other paper ballots. So where are the paper ballots stored after election day? Well, after, or are they? Once, once the election is certified, in other words, you're talking about once all is said and done? Yeah. By law, we have to keep those ballots for 22 months, and they're stored in our warehouse. And the biggest problem you have with paper is storage. 
So yeah. this is obviously it's the ballots from the primary are certainly taking up room in my warehouse. I'm going to have a lot more paper because of the expected turnout for the general election, but somehow we will find room for them. And how many ballot types are there for the general? We actually have uh, four ballot styles, mm -hmm. but we actually only have two congressional districts. And, and the, the, the difference between the ballot styles is just the congressional districts. The reason we don't only have two ballot styles is that we have one location that has four precincts voting in one location. And the only way to differentiate between the four different precincts is to have four different ballot styles two for the 6th Congressional District and two for the 8th Congressional District. Where is that? Hmm? Where is that location? Uh, that's Grace Community Church, okay. um, yeah. which, is, which is going towards Braddock Heights. Um, mm -hmm. We do have one other location that has uh, three ballot styles, and some places do have two ballot styles. Most just have one. Huh. Interesting. So <laughs> early voting's coming up. Uh, what's your expectations? My expect I, I have rather high expectations <laughs> of early voting. I have a feeling that now in 2012 we only had one early voting location here in Frederick. This year we have four early voting locations and I have a feeling that they're going to be busy. I'm basing that um, partly on um, just a response to early voting generally, but also because it's a presidential general election and we will have a lot of people voting who maybe didn't vote in the gubernatorial election two years ago. Um, I will be over at the Frederick Senior Center, which is the largest early voting location. It's the one we've had since early voting started here uh, in uh, 2010 in the state of Maryland. Uh, but we've now got three other locations. We've got the Thurmont Regional Library, the Urbana Regional Library, and I've got a brand new location for the general election, which is the Middletown Volunteer Fire Department Activity Center. Nice big location in Middletown. Uh, for those in the Middletown or Middletown Valley area, it's close to the Middletown Primary School. Do you have to go to a particular early voting center based on where you live? Nope. The nice thing about early voting is if you are registered to vote anywhere in Frederick County, you can go to any of those four locations and every one of them has the entire voter roster for the in, for all of Frederick County. So you can pick and choose if you live in one part of Frederick but you work in another part of Frederick, maybe you'd prefer to go where you work rather than where you live. And mm -hmm. that's fine. Early voting, you can go anywhere. How do we compare to larger districts like Montgomery County? How many early voting stations they have? Well, early voting is unique in Montgomery County, and uh, normally they would have nine early voting locations. They actually have ten, and the reason they have ten is um, their board, um, there was some back and forth between the board about where the ninth location would actually be, and the compromise was that the Montgomery County delegation got a bill passed in the General Assembly to give them a tenth location. The bigger locations, though, in the basic law, for example, Prince George's County is going to have nine early voting locations. I think Baltimore County is going to have nine early voting locations. Anne Arundel County, I believe, has five. Baltimore City has five. We would normally have, we, we, we have to have a minimum of three under current law, but we're allowed one extra, and that's why we have Middletown this year. Hmm. Do you have any advice for people on beating the crowds at the early voting centers? I would say the best time to go to early voting is probably not the first day and probably not the last day because everybody rushes in the first day or they rush in the last day. I would say you've got eight days. Take advantage of the fact that there are eight days. Also, the best time to be voting is usually, you know, people rush in when things first open up. We've found that from about midday, even maybe till close, 
um, except for the last day, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you go in, I would say between 11 o'clock and 2 or 3 o'clock, you'll probably have an easy time voting. And the slowest days, up till this point anyway, have been Saturday and Sunday. People sometimes think that the only time the early voting centers are open are on weekdays, and that's not true. Um, so we're going to be open 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. every single day. So if you can do it on the weekend, on either October 29th or October 30th, I would say come to the early voting center Saturday and Sunday. We'll be happy to help you. Mm-hmm. So some counties this year, Frederick included, um, requested some additional voting equipment. Um, is that because you expect a higher turnout for the general? Yeah, there's no question that we expect a much higher turnout. As I pointed out, we had 40% turnout in the primary election. I'm optimistic. I tend to think that our turnout will be somewhere in the 80% range. It may even be higher. And that, you know, that's like having virtually everybody who's registered to vote turn out, which is great because we do a lot of work, a lot of preparation. We obviously spend the money to get the ballots, to get the equipment, and, and we want to be sure that it's used and that uh, voters are well served. Are there any uh, areas of the county where it's particularly active or not, turnout-wise? Well, the thing is, with an election like this, it's hard to predict that it's not going to be active everywhere. Um, You know, I will see a heavy turnout, obviously, in the city of Frederick. I'm going to see heavy turnouts in the upper part of the county. I'm going to see heavy turnouts in Urbana, in Middletown, in Newmarket. You name it, I expect that the turnout will be high in virtually every single polling place in Frederick County and during early voting. And I'm hoping that the turnout in early voting is a little higher than it's been traditionally simply to relieve um, any lines that might occur on Election Day. Mm -hmm. And you've been with the county for a while now. What is the highest turnout election that you can remember during your time here? I think the highest turnout election probably was the 2008 presidential general election. If I remember correctly, and I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but I think our turnout was in the very high 70s, maybe close to 80 percent. Something tells me that we're going to break that this election. Mm And you've seen more people registering to vote as well, right? Absolutely. I, I looked at the numbers since the beginning of June, and we've added about 10,000 people to our voter rolls. That's, uh, that's, that's amazing. So people go right up into that deadline? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, the calls, the registration forms, the walk-ins um, absolutely are on deadline right up until the time we shut the doors and turn off the phones at nine o'clock. So deadline is your busiest day maybe? Um, It's one of the busiest. And and, you know we don't just get voter registration even though that is a deadline. You get people who um, want to work as an election judge. You will get applications for absentee ballots. You will get questions about you know what's on the ballot. All kinds of things. Is there um, by the time this people listen to this uh, podcast, the voter registration deadline will have passed, but there is still a way for them to cast a ballot at this election, right? That's true. Um, If you go to early voting and you're not registered to vote, as long as you bring proof uh, that you are a a citizen of Maryland, um, you can register at any of the four early voting locations during the early voting period. Um, And you can only do it at early voting. You cannot do it on election day. Okay. With the oh, if I could no, no, go ahead. With the uh, expected turnout, is there any chance that you guys are going to run out of those much coveted "I voted" stickers, <laughs> or do you have plenty of those on hand? I hope not. I ordered a ridiculous amount of <laughs> "I voted" stickers, and we didn't just order them for election day. 
I've ordered some very particular stickers for those who chose to vote early. So I would say if you really want a unique sticker, come to early voting. Oh, now you have to tell oh, us, no. though. Come on. What, you're not going to give it away? No, absolutely not. If you, if you want one of those stickers, you have to show up at one of my four early voting locations during those eight days. People really do actually love getting that sticker, oh, right? They get, they get upset if we run out of stickers, <laughs> not just here, but around the country. There was... I forget where it was. I heard there was one state that, for budget reasons, had not ordered I voted stickers, and the the, the voters just rebelled, and and they said, "Well, we're never doing that again. We're buying the I voted stickers." The voters were singularly upset. You should expand the swag then, you know, <laughs> pencils or something like that. Uh, let's talk about the percentages of registered voters in the county. You know, as of the last report, there was about forty percent Republican, thirty six percent Democrat. Uh, 23% third party unaffiliated. So do you have any insight to how those might change or how they've changed over time? Well, <clears throat> they've been somewhat consistent for a while. And I, I, you know, I haven't looked at the most recent percentages, but it's probably fairly close to that. Um, it used to be that um, a few years ago, the Republican registration was a little higher in terms of the, the gap between Republicans and Democrats. Um, that closed and has remained about the same I would say currently there's somewhere between five to 6,000 more registered Republicans than there are Democrats in the mm-hmm. county. But as I said, that's been fairly consistent for a number of years. Okay. So do you anticipate any changes you know, in that percentage? Or? Um, well, I'll look at final percentages as registration closes, but there has not been a lot of movement recently, meaning over the last few years. Okay. okay. I wanted to um, touch on another issue that's come up a lot this election season, and even the Department of Homeland Security has put out a message about this to elections directors, but that's about the issue of cybersecurity. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about cybersecurity and the new system that we have and whether or not there are any concerns. Um, Actually, I don't have any concerns, and I'll tell you why. We don't have anything, either when we're producing the, um, the data for the ballots and, and, produ- and getting our machines ready. And then when we actually tabulate the results on election night, at no point is the server that we use connected to the internet. Okay. So that makes it, I don't want to say it's, it's not foolproof, nothing is completely foolproof, but it does give you a measure of security because I'm not tied up to a network. It's a standalone server. We create uh, our media for the election on that. We then test every one of the scanners or voting devices that we're using to make sure that they are properly reading the ballots with a test deck that is pre-marked to make sure that they're doing that correctly. Then everything is locked up. Then when we send it out either to early voting on election day, that's the point at which it's uh, unlocked and used by the voters. And then on election night or when early voting is over, (coughs) excuse me, all of that information comes back to us. And where do we tabulate it? on the same server where it was created, which means it's not connected to the internet at all. So the first time the internet comes into it is when we see the results on the county's website? That, that's correct. What we do is we essentially um, you know, take the data that we've got in the server and we then take it over to another computer that is connected to the internet and we post it out there so that the, you know, it's on the state's website and it's on the county's website. Have you heard any concerns from Frederick County residents about this issue? Or? Um, I've occasionally gotten in the inquiry, but not, not an enormous amount. Um, you know, there, um, there always are, are questions, uh, especially with a new voting system. 
but I have not heard an overwhelming concern by the voters of the county. Going back to that new voting system, can you give a few examples in recent years where a paper trail might have been like really helpful for close races? Or? Sure. Um, I think probably the, the best example was a, a, a race where we actually did do a recount. Uh, mm -hmm. That was the 2010 Republican primary for the House of Delegates in District 4. Actually, I think, yes, it was still called District 4. It might have been called 4A, but I think it was District 4 at that time. And we had a race that was decided by seven votes uh, after we had tabulated everything between then-delegate Paul Stull and um, Kelly Schultz, who is now the um, DLLR secretary mm -hmm. in the governor's administration. Um, Mr. Stull asked for a recount, but he didn't ask us to do a recount on any of the touchscreen machines because I think he felt that the numbers would simply be the same. So what he asked us to do was to recount the paper ballots, which were the absentee and provisional ballots in the district, and there weren't that many, and the recount went very quickly, and he was within the margin, so of course this was something the county paid for. But because it was a small district, it, it, it took us maybe half a day to do it. Um, he picked up one vote, so it wound up being a six-vote margin. But my guess is that if we had had a paper-based system, he might have asked us to recount everything in the district. Oh, interesting. What is that margin, you know, when you're talking about a margin, when, do you, when does the uh, uh, candidate have to pay? The state law says that if the margin between the winning candidate and the losing candidate, or if it's a ballot question between yes or no or whatever it might happen to be, if the margin is within one half of one percent, then there is no cost to the candidate. It, but they still have to ask for the recount. Mm -hmm. For example, um, we had a we had a school board race uh, a few years ago, um, and the losing candidate was in that one half of one percent, and they simply chose not to ask for a recount. Okay. And how um, long does that sort of a process take? We have, in the past few years in Frederick County, really been having these very tight races. There was a tight race for county council, and you were talking about the delegate race, school board. Um, when it's close, um, how long might it be before, you know, the last of all of the different provisional ballots and everything are counted after Election Day? Oh, you're talking about the post-election canvases? Yeah, like a too close to call on Election Night. Well, I think 2014, you mentioned the county council race. Mm -hmm. um, we know that um, it was very close on election night. After the first absentee canvas, it was still close. After the provisional canvas, it was tied. Yeah. And so we really did have to wait until the final absentee canvas, which is 10 days after the election, to see who the winner was. Um, and one candidate had a 25-vote margin, and that turned out to be the final margin because the losing candidate was not within that one-half of 1%, 1 and they chose not to ask for a recount. Wow. Um, we're kind of drawing to the end here today, but when people go out to vote um, on November 8th, what should they know? What types of things should they bring with them? What's allowed? What's not, not allowed in terms of, you know, supporting a candidate? Well, the most important thing is if you're properly registered to vote, you got a specimen ballot in the mail. It's an exact facsimile of the ballot that you're going to vote. And to make your process go quickly, I recommend that people take that specimen ballot, mark their choices on it, go right on in, check into the polling place, they go over to the voting booth with the ballot, and they can vote very quickly, get it in the scanner, get their lovely I Voted sticker, and off they go. <laughs> 
The other thing is that if they don't know who they're voting for or they want some choices, a lot of times candidates or political parties will have people electioneering at the polling place, which is allowed under the law. And those people are 100 feet from the entrance of the polling place. So if you really need information, there's usually candidates or political parties who are more than happy to talk to you at the polling place. Um, also, if you lost your specimen ballot, you can always ask the chief judge in the polling place for a copy because they have copies of the specimen ballot. Specimen ballot is also posted in the polling place. So whether you go to early voting or whether you go to your polling place on election day, you'll see a copy of that specimen ballot on the wall. You'll know what your ballot is going to look like. So a prepared voter is going to be able to get in and out of the polling place fairly quickly, especially because we have uh, a short ballot. There are not that many contests on the ballot this year. Mm-hmm. And you'll have the pens, pencils, all that sort of whatever all, we need. All the voting booths will have these lovely little pens in that we've ordered, <laughs> especially because we know the scanner reads those marks very easily. I would remind people, speaking of marks, I would remind people, do not do anything except color in the oval. Because if you put a check mark or an X in that space, the machine will reject it. It is looking for a colored in oval. So I would remind voters not to get creative with the ballot. Just do exactly <laughs> what it says, color in that oval, and look at the ballot very carefully. Make sure you don't overvote, meaning if it says vote for one in a contest, make sure you don't vote for two individuals. Um, the only multi-candidate race that I can think of that is on our ballot this year is for Board of Education because we've got four candidates running for three seats. Great. Hopefully this helps. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it. You are more than welcome. In the Booth is produced by Graham Collin, Chris Sands, Jeremy Bauerwolf, and me. Our theme music is courtesy of FNP reporter and rocker Kelsey Luce. If it's politics and it's Frederick, we hope you'll join us for the conversation in the booth.